Welcome everyone to episode 39 of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts and today I talked with Dylan Olivier, who's a songwriter and producer and he works out of Perth in Western Australia. In this episode, we talked about taking the time to figure out how to make music work within your life, whether that's producing, engineering, songwriting, figuring out how it can work within your life, not basing your life around music. Uh, as well as difficult conversations and how they can sometimes lead to breakthroughs in the studio and also the different approaches you might need to take to get the best out of the artist. For all that and heaps more, stay tuned. If you can do us a favor and share this podcast, whether that's in a DM or on your stories or in a conversation, wherever you feel most comfortable, please share this around. We want to spread the word of this podcast. Make sure you're following or subscribed on the platform that you're listening to or watching this on. That way you can stay up to date with all of the new episodes featuring all these amazing guests. And if you have any suggestions or questions or queries, you can send me an email. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Um, so just head to the show notes and you'll find all of the information down there. All right, let's get into it. Episode 39 of What's That Sound with Dylan Olivier. You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts, and today I'm here with Dylan Olivier. Dylan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm a, I'm a weekly listener, so... Oh, be beautiful. Here. Love to hear it. Well, thank you for listening in and um, it's good to, to have you on and keen to jump in and find out a bit more about you and your process and we'll get, we'll get nerdy. <laughs> Love it. Um, nice. Well, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, give us a bit of an insight into what you do in the music industry. Yeah, so I live in Perth. I grew up here. I am a songwriter. I kind of got into it through being an artist um, sorry, there's a bin truck going past in the background. <laughs> I can't hear. So I can't hear it. So great. Um, yeah, I kind of got into the world of audio through being an artist. Like I think it's quite a common story. Um, and then kind of transitioned into engineering and producing and writing songs for other people as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some people I've worked with like Meg Mac, Grant Perez, Holy Holy, yep. uh, Great Gable, The Panics and, and bands like that and kind of, I guess I'm just like I love songwriting and I love melody and stuff and that's the thing that's kind of like pushed me along and kept me in this game, yeah. 100%. Well, we will definitely dive into, um, you know, some of those works and your style and things like that. But take us back um, to the beginning and, and where it all started for you. Where did where did music come into your life? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Like um, I've got my own kids now and like thinking about how much your parents can shape your trajectory. You've got a kid as well, right? So you I do, yeah, I got a two-year-old, yeah. Awesome. Um, so neither of my parents are musicians but both very musical and yes, I guess a very significant thing that I've always shied away from talking about because I don't want it to be like clickbaity or like feel like I'm exploiting the situation but my parents met on Bob Dylan's yacht. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, which is 
when I tell people that they're just like, yeah, whatever. So <laughs> it's like unfathomable. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, and it's weird because I, it was just the way it was for me growing up, you know, that was life. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the reason it's significant. So I'm named after him. So the reason that I think okay. it's significant, I mean, it's obviously significant, but in the way that it shapes, um, uh, me wanting approval from my parents and all that, they're friends with this person, Bob Dylan. And, you know, my world is kind of framed by this megastar songwriter. And in one sense, it seemed attainable to work in music because there was this person that they knew and that, I guess, fame that he had wasn't like it was at arm's reach. Like I've I've met him a bunch Mm. of times and got to go all the concerts as a kid and stuff like that. Um, So they, yeah, remained friends with him. Um, Yeah, so it kind of just that framed it and then I just kind of got into music and I think I probably like always loved it, but I reckon there would have been a part of it that was like doing it for some kind of, you know, approval from my parents, you know? Yeah, right. Um, And initially anyway, and then just caught the bug and went deep into it and played in bands and yeah, it's a similar story from that point onwards to a lot of people. But the reason I mentioned the Bob Dylan thing is just because I think it, it framed everything from that point forward, you know? Well, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a unique education, I would say, like not many people would have a similar story to that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know anyone that's had anything even remotely close to that, but that's, I mean, were you listening to like, was that style of music? Like, you know, the singer songwriter stuff, was that always kind of being played at home? Was that, yeah, it was. or was it kind of various different genres and things like that? It, yeah, so it was a lot of like your classics and I think that probably comes through in my taste now. Like it was like Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and mm-hmm. and Bob Dylan and Neil Young and stuff like that. Um, it was weird though. Like I think I kind of resented the music at the time. It was more the part that I found really intriguing was that there was this person that went and played to 10,000 people and everyone yeah. revered him and stuff and he was like accessible to me. Um, yes. Yeah, I think that was the sure. thing and, and that my parents just like really liked music and and valued that. Like my dad is a pretty, he's from the Caribbean uh, in a, a third world country and he's pretty, trying to think of a word that's um, uh, polite, just very, he's a hard person and he, yeah. uh, there's not that many things as a kid that he would kind of like, approve of you spending your time on but music sure. was one of them it was like yeah, right. no com- yeah, yeah. no computer games in our house none of that kind of stuff but if I was doodling on guitar for 12 hours it was like good job son kind of thing yeah, so it was like it. Yeah. yeah it was like it seems inevitable now that I was gonna uh you know try music out and um yeah that was yeah how it fair framed. enough I mean you know when when you're you don't know when you're young I guess it's like you're just in that world and, you know, when you were talking about like the resentment of the the music and stuff, it's like I remember not particularly liking anything my parents listened to either and, yeah. you know, now it's like, yeah, those bands are <laughs> sick. Like of course, yeah, yeah. of course they're awesome. Like what was I thinking I, sort of thing. So, I, yeah. I, I think can, that's I pretty natural. That. Yeah, I mm. like, you know, I didn't want – it sounded old to me and it sounded like my parents and it sounded like, you know, I was into stuff that was – sounded ed- what I thought was edgier and mm-hmm. whatever. And, um, you know, so I went through the phase of hating everything my parents liked and now our tastes are probably pretty similar, which is pretty mm. funny, you know. Yeah. I don't know if it's an, just a general age thing, but, you know, yeah. a lot of those bands are, are timeless and 
Well, for sure. And I the mean, even with, you know, Paul McCartney coming out like, you know, two weeks ago, my mum went and saw him and, you know, she was telling me about it and how amazing it was and, you know, all the songs. I was looking up the set list and I was like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe you got to see this live and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, and I, I never listened to the Beatles when I was a kid, but now I love them. So it's like you right, can't, right. It's, it's hard not to as a producer to, to like, especially the Beatles, but, you know, all those yeah. bands that you mentioned earlier, Fleetwood Mac, like, some of the most amazing songs ever written, of course. <laughs> I think so. I think it was just at the time it was like, oh, that's what my parents are into, so I'll yeah. stay away from that. But, yeah, yeah I was into so, like, sorry. No, nah, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I was into like, yeah, I think my first real obsession was like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and yep. um, a lot of hip-hop and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> bands like Nirvana. So I was born in the very start of the 90s, so it was just like sure. all of the stuff that my older sister was into and my cous- older cousins were into, I was into. Um, <laughs> I can relate the- to that. My cousins are into punk rock and I, I listen to punk rock. So, well, yep. it's, Yeah, I had like a couple of cool older cousins and that they were who I wanted to be, you know. Yeah, yep, for sure. And yep. My cousins played in bands and, I, you know, one of them was a drummer oh, cool. and one of them was a bassist. So I, was, <laughs> I can relate I like very closely to that. But tell me about, you know, when you started to grow into, you know, music, you, you said you, you, you grew up playing guitar. Was there yeah, any I other did. instruments? Not really. It was a guitar and then kind of found songwriting pretty early on, like maybe like 13 or something I wrote my first song. Um, mm-hmm. I, was, I mean, it's weird because like looking back on it, I was always like making up little jingles and like about mm-hmm. I've got three sisters and I just was making up songs, teasing them or whatever <laughs> it was or, you know, like that was... There was one called um, Poo on My Shoe and it was like, I don't know what to do. Just like that, that was at the age of like six or seven. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. But, yeah. But, but looking back on it now, like, and, and especially having my own kids, if my son came up with that, I'd be like, that's awesome, you know. Yeah, nice work, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Good exactly. Rhyme. Good rhyme scheme. Well done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful. But, and um, so, you know, when, when did you start to take it more seriously? Was that in, you know, high school? Was it after high school? Yeah, I mean, I was always really driven. Like, I think I, I, from the first song I wrote, I was like, this is the greatest. I'm going to be mm. the greatest, um, which was very far from the truth. Like, the first <laughs> stuff sucked for a long time. <laughs> um, I Yeah, so I played in bands in, in school. I sung. I started singing um, because it was hard to find anyone to sing my songs. And I I don't recognise my singers at self as a singer to this day but mm-hmm. I think I've gotten better at like just conveying the song and kind of mm-hmm. got to the point where I was like from my songs in particular I'm the best person to sing them and mm. so I started singing in bands and playing guitar like I essentially just being the, the the front person in in a couple of bands and then mm-hmm. probably the kind of significant point was when I was in a band with uh, my best friends from high school and we we started getting some support from Triple J and started doing some festivals and the support tours and all that kind of stuff and then it, that kind of kicked me into the industry in a way that I I didn't really know it existed. Mm-hmm. I think before that I thought it was like I don't know how I thought it was going to transition from playing in you know the living room to to something else, but I thought it mm. maybe I thought it was going to be like you know you send a demo CD to a record label and all of a sudden you're a bit, you're massive, you know, yeah. uh, genuinely. Like that was probably that period where maybe that was still possible, but 
you know, well, I, yeah, don't I think, think it we works all like grew up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but we all grew up, you know, watching DVDs and band documentaries and this and that. And generally the American uh, label system was that. And there was, you know, there's so many more people over there and so many more labels to the mm. point where, and, and they were throwing around money in the nineties, like, like crazy. And so I think that really was the narrative that we were sold and, yeah. you know, that's what it seemed like how it went. But, you know, and that's even even today there's a misunderstanding of the Australian music industry, which is part of why I started this podcast. But anyway, yeah, man, like so so what, what band was that? That was a band called Rainy Day Women and that was with my, my best friends from high school. Um, yep. Yeah, so we did I think that was like 2011, 2012 and that was like, yeah, it was in that era of um, all that sunny indie stuff that was around, like like yes. ballpark music, which is breaking. Hungry Kids Are Hungry, Jungle Giants. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, and it was a whole kind of scene, and and I, I, we did the supports for those bands, and um, yeah, developed a bit of a fan base and stuff. Mm-hmm. But one of the kind of key things which happened for me around that time was, um, I I think the first festival we played like um, uh, Groove in the Moo. I kind of had this weird like let down feeling like I saw behind the veil Mm. behind the system of the festival and I always dreamed of playing a festival and then when I played it I was kind of like oh this is all it is it's just this scaffolding and staging (laughs) set up and it was like it was really deflating and I felt like I felt like really from that point I was slowly working out a way that I could stay in music and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. be creative and do all the parts that I love but I realized that the the touring dream wasn't what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then it's just been like doing things from there to like stay in this thing that I love but mm-hmm. um, not, you know, not be in the, the touring thing. And I also like mm. I, I started getting really anxious flying and stuff like that. So I was mm. like, yeah, I didn't really like the lifestyle of it but I still loved mm-hmm. playing music. Yeah, and then that kind of um, it kind of finished around I want to say 2014 and then I started a project with my wife Carmen who was yep. just my partner at the time uh, called The Money War and um, that's still going. We're less active now because we've got three kids which is yep. makes it very logistically hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> oh, it's, it's ridiculous even just trying <laughs> to get in the same room with the, oh, our band man. members is just impossible. Yep. Um, yeah, and... Uh, so that's still going. We're doing doing a bit, bit less of that, but are, but somewhere in there, I kind of transitioned into producing for other people and engineering for other people and writing songs for other people. I actually mm-hmm. kind of launched the Money War as a bit of a, a CV to get work as a a, a studio sure. person. Um, yep. And yeah, just had no intention with that band. Like after Rainy Day Women broke up, I was at a bit of a loss. Like I was kind of. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, am I going to go back to uni? Because I, I started um, civil engineering at uni and dropped out to do music and then when the band ended I was a bit like, should I go back and finish that? I really didn't know. I was like 25. Yeah, yeah. Did a bit of did a bit of travelling and then on that uh, trip in um, LA and San Francisco kind of met some people that were like, I don't know, just re-inspired us and yeah, um, sure. started writing songs again. Actually, I never really stopped writing songs, but I, I yep. started thinking like I want to share songs again. Mm-hmm. And then the Money War we launched as like a um, yeah had no intention to play live because I was kind of overplaying live, and then it just 
he just got some opportunities early on, like got mm-hmm. offered some supports and um, radio picked up one of the songs and it was like, okay, we're back here again doing it yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and, you know, it, it had a lot of initial momentum and whilst we've kind of slowed down a bit now, um, I think that initial momentum like led to a lot of the studio work that I'm doing now and just, you know, we like in I think it was like 2017 we we toured Australia like three or four times and did South by yeah. Southwest and stuff and a lot yeah, of wow. those were support tours so just meeting um meeting a lot of those crew and creating that network was you know that helped a lot in in planting those seeds for what I'm doing at the minute which well, is for sure. producing and yeah and I, I want to expand on that you know let's 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 dive into a bit of that like you know the tr- you, you talked about the transition from going from okay I'm a performer, I want to play mm. live, I want to tour, I want to this and that, and then going, okay, no, I don't. You know, I want to pivot into songwriting, you know, maybe production. I'm not sure if you were thinking about production at that stage, more songwriting. But, um, yeah, you know, both. like what's that transition look like? And also, yeah, just expand on the networking side of things because, you know, um, for anyone that hasn't done that sort of thing where, you know, you're playing live and meeting people a lot, like, yeah, just, just yeah. kind of talk us through those sorts of things and how they helped. Well, I think number one, I wasn't thinking about the network at the time, but it's really obvious looking back now that all of the people that I am working with, there's there's very few that I just like got to know. Um, uh, I, I had some kind of relation to them in mm-hmm. the past, whether it was like, oh, you worked with this person who could vouch for you or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so I hadn't really thought too much about the networking, but it's so important like people mm. um, talk about it all the time. And I think people you know, you're going to work with someone that you trust and someone that you know, you know even if it's through someone else. Um, mm. So the networking side was huge. Mm-hmm. The The transition in away from the touring side of things was hard because I thought a lot of this, like, opportunity was going to go away when I lost mm-hmm. visibility with my own project. And it's hard now having kids because I'm not really getting out to gigs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, yeah... Just keeping that community, like the, the word community comes up a lot on your podcast, which I think is mm-hmm. is really key. Like if you're not out and about kind of supporting other people and um, just being friends with people, like it's going to be pretty hard to kind of like people to find out about you for one and mm-hmm. and even just think of you when they're thinking about like who should I work with. Um, yeah. You know, if they saw you the day before at a gig, it's like, oh, that person comes to mind. But if you're just sitting in your room, um, it's going to be pretty hard. But yeah, I guess the other key thing was in 2020, yeah, it was actually during the pandemic we signed a publishing deal and yep. their, their whole thing was just like setting up heaps of sessions, um, mm. which at that time was Zoom and that was another way for me where I was thinking like if we're staying in Perth, this is a way of like keeping that network going. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I've just been, man, I'm, I've just been f- figuring out and trying to figure out how to um, to pivot completely out of the artist thing and just you know help other people create yeah for sure I mean yeah it's it's it's, and it's not one set way like that's the tough thing is that everyone's journey looks completely different and you know it's like a lot of it is based on the network but a lot of it is your interests and you know just because you like the same style of music doesn't mean one you're going to produce the same way two you're going to want to work with the same people you might want to completely write music that's not what you're interested in so Mm. I mean that's just a few examples of how different it can be from person to person but 
yeah, I want to know more about, you know, becoming, you know, this is your full-time job, right? Like songwriting and, yeah. So so talk us through how that became that and what steps did you take to put that into place? Yeah. So I've always thought about it as like, I'll do whatever it takes to support this thing and whether that be substitute with a part-time job, which I did initially, or um, Mm -hmm. do lots of different things in music, which I have done in the past, whether it be like live sound, um, like songwriting workshops, um, Mm -hmm. mixing, uh, producing, engineering, songwriting, whatever it may be. And that, I mean, for a lot of other people, it's a lot more broad, like other people are doing more creative things on social media to substitute all of that. For me, that's the kind of attitude I've taken into it. Like I'm dedicated to this creative pursuit and like how can I keep it going? So if it means Mm -hmm. that I have to, like for a couple of years I had a job in a bar um, on the weekends and was doing this Mm -hmm. on the side and stuff and then it kind of just transitioned into having enough work um, to to do this solely Mm -hmm. and also just like with the songwriting, there's a bit of publishing coming in on the back end. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, which is helping, which is something I'm continually trying to build. But I don't yeah, know. I sure. mean, at any given time, like maybe it will slow up next year. And, it, you know, at the start of every year, I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this this yeah. year. Who knows how it's going to go? Like it's. Oh, man. I can relate it, so hard to that. And, it, you know, the everything just goes in waves. And, you know, it, it's one thing where you can feel so good after having, you know, a bunch of work for six months straight or something like that. And you're like, oh, cool. It's like, this is, this is working. And then all of a yep. sudden it's like, everyone disappeared. What happened? Like, it's, yeah. and it's, you can't predict it. It's like, you just yeah, feel totally. like it's just going to ha- keep happening. And so, I, yeah, I can relate I to that. I think that the networking thing, if you, I mean, networking's kind of got a dirty connotation to it, but I think I just really mean being present and active in a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're working too much and not getting out and meeting people and creating new contacts, you might like disappear for three months in the studio. Mm-hmm. And by the time you lift your head at the end of the three months, you've made no contacts to work on the next mm-hmm. thing. And I've never really thought it that, about it that cynically, like I'm making contacts. I just mean like I've just not made an effort to be around people and then mm. sometimes it's like, oh, shit, like what, what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So far for me it's always been like if there's a quiet time, I'm like I'll work on my own project and mm-hmm. um, there's always bits and pieces to do and if it's like I have a quiet day or something, I'm like, okay, I probably shouldn't do the admin that I've been putting off for ages mm-hmm. or do the mm-hmm. social media stuff that's actually going to help um, mm-hmm. have future business and connect with people. I think like yeah. ultimately for me it's just like there's, I mean, there's countless artists out there that I'd love to work with and trying to continue to make stuff that I feel will um, reflect on my of my taste and kind of, uh, draw in the right kinds of people that I want to work with and that want to work with me. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man, it's always, it's always changing. And it sounds like, um, yeah, from listening to your podcast, it sounds like everyone's kind of, you know, it's, it's not yeah. linear and you're figuring it out. Everything's changing. Like when I got into this, I thought maybe I would be an engineer in a st- studio. Like when I transitioned mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, that would be the pinnacle of the engineering thing. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I had an idea of like, the producers like Rick Rubin when I was growing up, like sure. if you were a producer, you would have a you'd have, have a band in the studio for six months and that I'm sure that still exists on the higher scale, but it's it's constantly adapting, isn't it? You just, mm-hmm. you just 
You just uh, yeah. take it as and it I comes. Think for, especially in Australia, and I, I don't know what it's like in Perth, but I can imagine potentially it's even maybe a little bit more extreme is that everyone is just trying to make it work. And for most people, that means usually having a full-time job, which makes it really hard to get a whole bunch of people in a band together to (laughs) get them to record at the same time. So everything's just so sporadic and you just got to figure it out and just make it work because there's no other way. Otherwise you won't get the job. Like, so it's like, okay, let's just figure out how this is going to work for everyone. And that takes a lot of negotiation and figuring stuff out. So. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day about like, I'm like, I've never book off public holidays and I'm like, because that's always the days that bands are available to work if they've all mm. got, to, at least someone in the band's usually got a job or, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I think the, there shouldn't be any shame around having to do another job to substitute this. I think everyone wants to put out the perception that they're making heaps of money um, mm. and it's going great and stuff at like, man, I, I drive it the shittiest of shitty cars because I, you know, I want to put money into, I want to have the freedom to do the thing that I want to do. And occasionally there's a good, a good amount of money that comes in. Then other times it's like, ah, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do next month, you know? And I'm, and again, again, it's like, like, I love that point of, yeah, we really need to be able to focus on the fact that we do it and we love it. You know, it's like, there's nothing else like this. You know, if you, like, I mean, I've done retail jobs for 15, 20 years before this, you know, and stepping into this and being able to do it full time, it's like there's nothing else like it. And, yeah. yeah, like you said, there's other things that you have to do on the side to make ends meet and stuff, but the focus on being able to make that work and being like, no, I'm going to keep pushing and try and figure out ways so that I can do this more than anything else because there's nothing better. <laughs> yeah, man, that. and... I think, uh, you know, like I said at the start of this, I I started um, studying civil engineering. I did half mm-hmm. of the degree. I would be making a lot more money, put it that way, <laughs> if I stayed doing mm-hmm. civil engineering. But it's the trade-off, you know. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, the freelance is, yeah. thing. I like the – I've also, like with young kids and stuff, it's been good. I, my kids are sick a lot and I need to be at home yep. a lot. So it's like that 100%. thing of having that freedom um, – there's pros and cons to everything, but mm-hmm. as you said, we all do this and if we're still in it after, you know, five or however many years is the mm-hmm. testing period, you, you you must love it to stay in it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, and I would even go as far to say as you can't expect for it to work within five years. Like, Yeah, I agree. Yep. So, so you can't you can't be like, oh, I'm going to have everything that I want at the end of five years and if I don't get it, then that's it for me. It's like that's just the so complete l- backwards attitude. Y- a- and also, like, I've met so many um, really well-established producers, engineers, whatever, that have gone and at the end have had to do something else because they still got a mortgage to pay but mm-hmm. they no longer have that work anymore and they're no longer hot, so to speak. And um, I'm very well prepared for all of that to happen. Like, mm-hmm. for me, as I said, it's a, it's a – I hope I can continue doing this for forever mm-hmm. but uh, it's a – it really is um, taking it – I don't want to say day by day but it's kind of – month by month, quarter by period quarter, by year period, by year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, period <laughs> yeah. by period. I, you know, yeah. I, I honestly don't know, you know, like yeah, it's absolutely. been, it's been a great year this year. And as I said, I've been doing it full time, um, since around 20, around 2019 and yep. managing to do it with kids. But I mean, if we were in Sydney or Melbourne, 
we wouldn't be able, I guarantee I wouldn't be able to afford to do this mm. because it's, it's far cheaper to live in Perth. That's another mm-hmm. thing that I, I factor mm-hmm. in. So whilst mm. I would like to be in Sydney and Melbourne, I think a lot of the artists that I'd love to work with and, and, um, opportunities would be over there. That's another big factor. And I, and I'm yeah. a big believer in like looking at it holistically about like, what do you actually want in your life, you know, and this is just one part of it, you know, mm-hmm. especially I'm sure you feel this way when you have a kid, it's like mm-hmm. the, the, at the end of the day, we love this, but it's still just a job and our family yeah. is more important, you know, and it's like, you know, you've got mm-hmm. to be happy as well rather well, than stressed I mean, all the time. I mean, so. my thing with that is I work pretty much exclusively within the hours of nine till six Same. and on Monday yeah. to Friday, like that's Same. pretty much my thing. And you know, that would sound strange to some people. They'd be like, but you're working with musos and it's like, well, yes, but exactly your point of the life thing has to be priority. Like you have to be able to live your life and live it happily. And that includes your family and your friends and things like that. And so for me, that's really important. And I will figure out a way to make that work and have been able to make that work. And if you're smart about it, like you said, you, you factored in the factor of living in Perth and, you know, that's, that's a really important point is like whatever that means to you where you might have to take some subsidies somewhere, that's, that is what it is. You just, yeah, <laughs> to be able to do it. Yeah, 100%. I mean it's kind of like that. I forget what the name of the book is. I'm, that's terrible. I've, I read it earlier this year and it, basically the idea is like it's not like what do you want, it's like what are you willing to, what pain are you living, willing to live with or live without, mm. you know, what things are you willing to not have in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's mm. weighing it up in that sense mm. of like, yeah, there would always be a more ideal scenario for everyone, but it's like for me to be able to work on music and have the freedom to take days, days off when I need mm-hmm. um, outweighs making a quarter of a million dollars yep. working in mining or you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not putting anything on in, anyone that works in mining. A lot of my friends from mm. uni do that and are great people and have a great life, but for me, I just knew that I needed to make that choice and make commitment yeah. to other things. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's um, let's talk a bit about your process. You know, um, obviously, you've been like you said, been songwriting for quite a while now. So, how, first of all, what does your process look like these days, and how much has it changed from when you first started? You know, songwriting, especially in bands and taking it more seriously. You know, in the early 2010s yeah. or whatever it was. So. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm very song focused. So like I do a few different things. So like sometimes someone will just send me a song. It's like, can you mix it? Sometimes it's like engine. I want you to engineer it. Sometimes it's producing. Sometimes there's writing involved. Mm-hmm. The first thing I want to do is like meet up with the people or have a call and figure out exactly what they want from me because mm-hmm. my role and my level of involvement can be very different. Um, it can vary a lot depending on what they want. Um, and make sure we're on the same page because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had that thing, like you just get a feeling that something, like the expectation is not quite right and you get a feeling that it might not be the best match, like client-wise or something like that. So if we're all feeling good about it, um, the first step for me is like to go into some kind of like pre-production and writing. So I like to think about it like pretty holistically, like we're building up the foundation of the song um, and working on the most fundamental elements first, like if it's a lyric that's not right um, or if it's a chord sequence or structure, tempo, key, all that kind of stuff, 
and build up from there. So, like, I want to make sure that the song is as strong as it can be on a someone singing and playing guitar or playing piano and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, make sure it works in that form and then it's like, yeah, have everyone in, build it up from there and that can look different every time depending on mm-hmm. what it needs. So I guess, like, it's like find what the essence of the song is and then imagine the best way to present that and do whatever it takes to get to that point. And sometimes you get it wrong and you redo it like 15 times and other times <laughs> it's like, you know, you realise the best version of it was just the person playing piano and singing after you mm. got string arrangements and all that done, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. it is the kitchen sink. So it's a little different every time but, yeah, I just yeah. I guess the key thing is I'm like very song-focused and just mm-hmm. like... I, uh, by song, I mean like lyrics and melody and chords and yeah. Well, the I mean, very foundation to, of it. You know, some of your work, it's very obvious that that is the case. And you know, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you tend to work with more singer-songwriter style acts or artists, I guess. Um, yeah. And that style of music, where there's not all these production tricks flying around, you're not doing sound effects here and there. You're not like focusing on getting the 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 heaviest bass and stuff like the vocal and the song and the song, you know, story. And that is so crucial in that style of music. So how do you, what, are th- what things do you focus on in that? Yeah. It's the, the bits that you mentioned, the lyric, the story, the, the melody is the melody working is the key, right? Are there any chord changes that could, uh, reharmonize the melody, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it just as if if you could imagine someone just singing it and playing guitar in its barest form. Does the song work? Does it connect? What's it about? Are there any lyrics that are mismatched to um, what's trying to come across? Um, is the sentiment right? Is the delivery right? Things like that. And then for me, I'm probably guilty of like undercooking production. I'm more like I'm more um, I'm aware of like production getting in the way more than I am. Like I I like to not rely on the production Mm -hmm. and I guess just like through my taste as well, I just like stuff Mm -hmm. that's like a good song, a good performance Mm -hmm. and the band's supporting that, the production's supporting that, yeah. That's well, my, mean, my ethos. The, the stuff that I've heard of yours is like beautiful, man. Like it's, uh, you oh, know, thank you. It, it, it's honest, you know, the, the organic quality stands out to me. It's, and that is what shows off the heart of that style of music. And it's hard to gather that when there are things that we've just mentioned, you know, overcooking the pr- production. So I think, I mean, I can yeah. say in my opinion oh. you've done well with it. So. Oh, thank, thanks, so, yeah. man. That's that's uh, really nice to hear. And it th- it sounds like you, you understand it and that's my intention for it to be like because I, I, I always think back to like what are, we, what are we really doing? Like no one gives a shit about the kick and the snare, the way it sounds. You know, it's like it's just a rhythm that's supporting the message. Like we're, we're trying to communicate something emotionally um, from the person performing it or the people performing it to the person listening it to it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I try to just keep that kind of thing in the back of my head. Like, what mm-hmm. are we doing? It's where we're humans trying to communicate something. And, um, you know, and, some, and that sounds a bit silly to say because sometimes it is. It's like sometimes the whole point is the intensity of it, like the, mm-hmm. 
the rawness, the power of it. And if you don't mm. get the power of it right, a great song might just feel weak or whatever. So I don't, mm. it's not that I don't care about production. I, I, I'm a total nerd about production and gear and mm. stuff, but mm. I just think if the song isn't working at its fundamental level, it's kind mm. of like, it's kind of like a house where the framework is dodgy and you've got some mm. beautiful paintings up and then you walk in and the house falls apart because the, I mean, that might be a shitty analogy, but no, you know no, what I mean. makes sense. Makes right. sense. Cool. 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 Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link, paypal.me slash what's that sound. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it. Um, so tell me more about then how you get people into those, into those creative spaces where you can get the most out of them. Is there specific things you do to make them comfortable? Do you know, yeah, just kind of tell, tell me a bit more about your process in that regard. Good question. Um, I think like a really simple one that someone told me that I've always used is like instead of saying no or no, that wasn't the take, you say, that was really good. Let's try one more, you know, and you know what yeah. that means and all the professionals know what it means. By professionals, I mean the, the engineers and producers. But yeah, yeah. It, it's not as blunt and kind of hard to take as that sucked, you know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I think as well just like one of the things for me is the meeting at the start that I talked about. Mm. Like I just I want to be able to hang out as friends. Like an, another thing that I do... Um, that I'm trying to implement more, we're pretty, well, pretty much always uses, um, I, I just do like a per song rate a lot of the time. And that means the clock pressure's off and it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's worked out good for me. I've been burned a couple of times where something's gone on and on and on, but mm-hmm. for the majority of the time it gets the best out of people cause they're not feeling the clock. It's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're just hanging out making music and, in the past, that was how I started. Like how I got into production was like, um, you know, I was making demos for band for my band and stuff, and it was like, it was just this free thing. And I had a few studio experiences where I got into the studio and kind of just froze because it was like, oh my god, I'm in this studio and we've got this thing and we're trying to get this thing on tape or, or not tape, but whatever, you know, trying to record it there and then. And I think that pressure doesn't, um, it's not conducive for like creativity and flow and stuff like that. So that's one thing. Um, it's not always possible to do that thing and um, the per day thing. Another thing is just like just like really listening to people, I think. Mm. You know, it sounds really obvious but um, you can learn a lot. A lot of your questions can be answered just by like letting someone talk, I think. Um, yeah. It's yeah, always a tricky sure. one. It's a, it's, a, it's a constant battle of like sometimes though like I feel like sometimes you need to – uh, within reason piss people off to get the best out of them like some people mm-hmm. like that have you ever found that yeah i think for me I, i'm i'm a pretty honest person like right. not in a negative way i've been called uh blunt and frank in the past so, <laughs> like so the descriptors. I, feel, I feel like that's that's part of my personality that i get from my dad and yeah right yeah I've, I've got a temperate um but in, in some regard, I, I try to embrace it because I want people mm. to talk to me that way. Like there's, you're not, yeah. not trying to be rude, but it's like, you know, I'm, 
if it can be better, I want to push for it to be better. Basically, absolutely. Yeah, yeah a lot. A lot. Of, my my clients have uh, given me the. I I have like a thing when I'm recording vocals, especially. It's like again, again, and it's like that was great. Let's go again. <laughs> like <laughs> that terminology. Apparently, I just say it all the time. Which right. It's like let's just do it again. Like why not? You know. And and like yeah. you said, the approach to it. If it's if it's not if you're not doing it in a way that is like insulting, like that, like that to me, that's the quickest way to turn someone off wanting to work with you again by being a dick about it, you know, and and we've all worked with those sorts of people that for some reason it's, it makes sense that to them to, to not be a good, good, to not have a good approach. And I don't know what it is. And you know, it's pretty judgy of me, but I think, (laughs) yeah, we we don't want to work with those types of people. No, you don't. And it is hard it's hard sometimes like you have to remind yourself like this person is paying me or like mm-hmm. I'm of service to them. Um, and it's hard like like probably the thing, one of the things I struggle with the most is like when I'm really focused on something, I find mm-hmm. it hard to like communicate really well if I'm like really in and I'm trying to solve this thing and my mm-hmm. brain's working a million miles an hour trying to solve this puzzle of a song mm-hmm. and at the same time I need to communicate that to someone whilst being sure. really polite. Um I think I'm always a really polite person, but in my mind, it's like, it's, that's something I have to think really hard about to, to mm-hmm. make sure I'm not speaking coldly or something just because my mind is elsewhere. And mm-hmm. I think that's the, maybe one of the challenges of like, I, I think producing is as much psychology as it is the engineering mm-hmm. and skill side in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah getting, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, you know, managing the energy in the room with the, all the different people and, um, some people respond really well to just, I'd say the majority of people respond really well to just encouragement and compliments. Mm-hmm. And some people like kind of need to get their back up a bit and then they go and do a vocal take and it's like, that's the one, you know? And yeah. I've, do, I've done that as a strategy in the past and felt really bad about it, but it got the best of the song. And then I said to them later on, like, I was trying to piss you off, you know, and they're like, I know yep. and it worked, <laughs> yeah. but it sounds good, right? You know? Yeah. And, th- and there's a way to challenge people in the right way you know, and, and like pissing them off in, in the right way. There's, there's absolutely a way to do it, but you can't, you can't do it without trying. And yeah, like you said, there's, there's always a first, there's a first time that you have to do it. <laughs> like you kind of like, fuck, all right, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, but then once I, you've done it and it worked and obviously it's different for each person, but generally speaking, like if you do it in, in the right way, you know, and, and you really challenge someone to, I think of it like, you know, like a footy coach or something like that. Some people, like you said, need the gentle approach. Like you're going really well, mate, go for it again. Whereas some people need it. You are, you need to, you need to get back in there and and try harder this time. Like (laughs) there's a way to do it, but yeah. I I think you're right. And, and I probably wouldn't do the second approach with someone that I've just met, but if it's someone (laughs) that I know well, that, that, that we have the trust and, they know that I care about them and I just want what's yep. best for the project, which all my stuff I work on, that is my attitude. But the, mm. when I've just met someone, they might not have that trust in me yet. But mm. if it's someone I've been working with for a bit and, you know, the fact that we get in arguments sometimes mm. I really respect because it means that we're passionate about it, you know, mm-hmm. as long as it's still there's a respect for each other. But it's like, yeah, I've definitely had times where it's it's gotten heated over the song, but for the best mm-hmm. of the song. And then we'll go and grab a beer afterwards and we're all good. But I think yeah. that's, at least that's honest and you work, you know, 
if it's coming from a place of ego, that's a different thing, you know, mm. but if it's just for, you know, trying to figure out the best way forward for the song and people are getting frustrated because the song isn't coming together, that's kind of a good thing. It means you care about it, I think, mm. you know. And I think the ego uh, word, it it's applicable to both sides and mm. to be able to understand when we are coming from a place of ego being like, no, nah, it's, it's just I want that cool thing in the song, but it's like it, uh, it actually doesn't need to be there. But there's also the the thing of the other person. It's like you have to know how to uh, like understand that that's what's happening. Um, yeah. And, again, there's a number of different approaches that you can have, but sometimes it's about pointing it out, just being direct like, hey, I know you want this and it sounds cool to you, but at the end of the day we're, we're working towards the best song and yeah. we'll try it or, you know, I always like to try it, yeah. whatever that is. And it's like if everyone agrees that it's better, then I have to swallow my pride. So there's there's obviously give and take there. But, yeah, you're right. It, Ego, it, it's, it's the enemy of a good song usually. Totally. And I think in most cases everyone knows when it's better, you know, like everyone's in agreement once they've heard it. You play both back through the speakers, both options mm-hmm. of whatever you're disputing. Mm-hmm. And in most cases it's like, everyone knows what's better, but it's the, Mm. it's a tricky one because it's like a lot of the time people just want their ideas to be heard and they want to feel like they have some say in what's going on and they want their ideas to be tried. And that's, that's, that's how how they should be, you know? Yeah. So it's, you're probably wasting more time by not letting them try that idea that's going to take two minutes because then after that you're going to be everyone, the ego part comes into it because people are not feeling respected and valued and stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that that's totally like everything goes so much smoother when you're able to keep as much ego out of, out of as mm-hmm. possible. And that it's, it's very confusing because sometimes you you can't tell when it's your ego versus whether it's the deeper part of yourself, you know. It's just mm, it's a it's constant true. thing of like checking yourself and being like, am is I this being really, a dick here? Yeah. <laughs> am I being a dick? Is this, is this, is this honest? Is it, yeah. um, is this really me or is it like have I just got my back up because someone's hurt my feelings, you know. True, and yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, if you, you've said you've been listening for a while and I want to know, you know, what are some of the more difficult times that you've had in either a songwriting session or in the studio recording and, and what, you know, what are the learning uh, situations that you've had? I think, yeah, so... The songwriting thing's different, a, a little different to the so so for context, a lot of the songwriting sessions that I do, they're not paid. So it's like that's kind of like a blind date thing. A lot of the time I've never met them. You're getting in the room. Mm-hmm. The assumption is that the publishing will be split 50-50 and you go in and do this songwriting session. Um so you've each got an interest in the song, but a lot of the time the artist is doing lots of sessions and they're just like trialing this thing. And it's a way of just mm-hmm. seeing how the chemistry is and all that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That they're kind of weird to me sometimes when it feels like the artist, like they've chosen to write with you, but they don't want to listen to any of your input. <laughs> and the same for same for studio stuff, for producing stuff as well. It's like that's yeah. when it's not going well is when mm-hmm. you feel like you're not being trusted and respected. And I think the reverse of that is true. Like mm-hmm. the best case scenario is everyone is feeling listened to heard, respected and trusted and knows Mm -hmm. their place in the room. And I guess back on that writing thing, it's probably as much about figuring out what your role is in each given circumstance. Like 
if you're hired to be the engineer, just be the engineer. Just mm-hmm. record it as best as you can. Mm-hmm. If they've come mm-hmm. to you and told you about their problems, why their songs aren't connecting and how they want a sound that you've got in the past, then it's your job to give your opinion and if they don't mm-hmm. want to take that opinion on board, then there's a problem there, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard and, you know, it's such a sensitive time and process with artists because they're being so vulnerable and showing you you might be singing about a lyric that's about the like a breakup or someone that died or something and it's mm. a really touchy place where they could be getting their guard up and you've, it's a constant mm. battle trying to step around that you know mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah, challenge- i mean absolutely based on the you know the songs that your your sound uh would uh, like magnetize towards i guess you like know, storytelling personal storytelling kind of and and yeah like it's it's impossible to um, connect with the listener without being fully, you know, vulnerable and transparent. And yeah. to do that, to to write the song, you have to do that in the writing process, which means if someone else is coming in and helping with your song, yeah, that's that, it. that yeah. equation and, sometimes, yeah. And like, you know, it's, it's also like sometimes say if I'm just producing, you have to be very tactful in the way that you say something could be better. Like you could mm-hmm. say, I think we could, this is really good, but can we make, this could be stronger rather than I don't mm-hmm. like this part. Mm-hmm. It's a very different way of saying the same thing essentially that, and mm-hmm. one of them is going to get a very different response. Like if you say this part sucks, I hate it. It's like you've started an argument, you know, but if you say, I feel yeah. like this could be stronger, that's a different way of, of framing it. But yeah. It's, and I it's, think, I think the, the, this, this part sucks and I hate it, is an opinion rather than an approach. Right. Yeah, and, and I think the opinion part is really important. Like I always try and say I just I feel like this rather than this objectively is wrong. And and I always preface that. Like if there's any disagreement, I'm always just like, look, this is my opinion, this is my gut feeling on it. I feel like we could try and beat it. But um, at the end of the day, it's your call. That's probably how yeah. I would get out of like a tricky situation, you know, and yep. it, and I'm, I'm more than happy to go in and have these difficult times without us. Um, I love doing it. Like I love trying to come out with something better, but mm. it's that thing of like, if there's not that trust and respect there and you mm-hmm. feel like sometimes it's just like, what, like I've had in the past, like, what am I, why am I even here? <laughs> you know, like mm, you should have just yep. gone and done this yourself, you know, yeah. that, they're few and far between. And that's just, I don't know, you know, some people. I think people... Those, those sorts of situations are just something that obviously you just got to push through because the likelihood of that relationship working anyway is it's not likely. Like yeah, you're both going to walk right, out yeah. of that session and, and just be like, yeah, it's probably not not the right person to work with or something like that. And so in totally. the moment, yeah, let's just push through and suck out, suck it up and swallow our pride and and just see what happens because this is, and this is the thing as well with those sorts of sessions, it can take a really difficult conversation, um, an uncomfortable conversation between the two of you to get past a barrier that that person might have up. And then from then on, it could be like, okay, I can breathe now. And then that, then really good stuff can start to flow. So if you instantly go, this isn't working, I don't want to keep working anymore then mm. potentially you might be cutting your, yourself off from something that's really great after the difficulty. Totally. I had a situation earlier this year where it was like a singer that I love as a friend and 
is an amazing singer and I'd been thinking about how to approach it to tell her that I think she's mm-hmm. over singing and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I feel like and I had to do it through heaps of encouragement and lots of like making her feel like because because my sus- a suspicion was that she was over singing due to an insecurity like to show that she could really sing right. and the way that I was able to get it across the line was like I really like how you start quiet and intimate and conversational and we have an arc which builds up and like just also just talking about I love her voice and um, Mm -hmm. love her as a friend and stuff, you know, and that was a tricky one. But my point is Mm -hmm. now that we've gotten past that and I've had this honest conversation, the songs have just gone to another level because it's like there's this thing which I've identified as the producer as like a, a barrier to it really working and now mm-hmm. she's on board with that change and mm-hmm. feels like she's part of that work to try and uh, to work on it. And now we're, we're just like so much more compatible, you know, and it yeah. was that thing of like, it could have gone either way. Like, you know, I could have, it's, I mean, that's not even such a big thing to say to someone, but I, I've had people in the past where, you know, like, it's like, hang on a second. That's my thing. I sing, you know, no one tells mm-hmm. me how to sing you don't you mm-hmm. can't sing as well mm-hmm. as me so you can't tell me and yeah my point of view was like I'm just giving my opinion you know yeah so, but I think you know. I think what you have done in that specific situation is you've built trust because you you know we as producers have to give our opinion because that's that is part of our job it's like we are essentially when you're working with me I'm the tastemaker for what I think is going to work in this song based on my experience, based on my learning, based on my education, all that sort of stuff. So I'm going to have to be honest with you about what I think this song needs and if it's not yeah. what you're doing right now, blah, blah, blah. So you're just being honest about that and that really builds trust because especially if they take it on, if they don't take it on, then good luck to them. But it, they're yeah. generally going to be like, okay, this means enough to to – that person to say this and yeah it's it's it, yeah it, it is it's getting vulnerable and it's building trust trust it's a it's a constant battle figuring out where the balance is and I talk about it with my wife a lot because it's like how much do I how much of myself do I put into these projects like mm. I could work on stuff forever to make it better well maybe mm. it wouldn't be better but there's definitely an amount of time more that I could tweak this thing but at the end of the day it's like that was where that artist was at that particular time. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to, and yeah. It's important I'm to capture to, that too, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, and uh, yeah, I'm always trying to figure out like how much energy I put in and mm-hmm. it's kind of like that thing of like, if you overextend yourself at the end of the day, it's still the artist thing. So you have to respect mm-hmm. that number one, that they are boss and yep. you are give, doing a service uh, to them. And, and, and I keep my project alive for that reason that I can do exactly what I want. Yeah. But, but, but I think you're exactly right. You need to, if you're producing uh, or co-producing, you're not doing your job if you're not giving your opinion, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, you've got to choose your moments to give your opinion. But um, if you're just in agreement to everything, like it's kind of like they may as well do it themselves, you know, you're mm-hmm. not challenging yeah. and trying to make them better. So. Absolutely. Well, um, let's talk about some of the, um, you know, some of the things obviously, you know, been doing it for a while. Mm. What, what these days are the things that you hang on to as being, okay, like that was a really good session or what excites you and what, what makes you go, 
This is why I love doing what I do. I think the obvious one is like when you have a song that works, like, you know, you get out of the studio and you're just like, oh, my God, like this feels magic. Like it's just, mm. it's just working. And I don't mean in a commercial sense. I just mean like that you just feel like we caught something. That's mm-hmm. number one. Like that's the feeling that's kept me in this the whole time. Like just mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. chasing that kind of whatever you want to call it, God feeling or um, (laughs) flow or whatever. Like everyone has a different word for what that thing that where everything's just like very in focus and Mm -hmm. that number one. Um, But man, like I nowadays I'm more interested in working with people that I like and that I think I'm compatible with than that I think are necessarily completely talented at that point in their Mm -hmm. career. And if, I feel like compatible with them more as people and like a respect for each other. Then we might work together for a while and like really grow together and I can help them make stuff that I, th- I think one, the work will be better, but also it'll be more enjoyable. So mm-hmm. I think relating back to your question, it's more nowadays, it's more like I want to really enjoy the process of it. I know mm. it's a cliche, but it's like it, that's as important, maybe more important than, things being successful like I you know and I want to connect with people and I want to feel like I'm of value to them and and helping them so if that's like you know if that's recording a a 15 year old and they're stoked on it you know it's not the greatest song in the world but you've helped them realize this thing that's then going to launch them into their career and by the time they're 22 they're amazing Mm. you've played a part in that and that's really rewarding for me. Mm. It's a great point. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things as well. If we care about, like I really care about music full stop and I also love the educational side of things. Like it, for me, I, I'm really passionate about like helping people get better. You know, there's yep. something about that. And I think as producers, if we're not doing that, you know, there's something missing. Like if well, we're not, not trying to help the other person get better and and be their best, yeah. then what what are you actually doing? You know, well, I think it, and that yeah, go on. Oh, sorry, man. I was just gonna say it's like it's an egotistical pursuit if you're just craving recognition and acclaim and success. Like there has to be more to it, like mm. than than just that stuff, you know. I think mm-hmm. I think as you get older and like I don't know if you feel different when you have a kid, it's like especially when I'm working with younger artists, I think about like my parent comes out and I'm like, it's as much about providing them a great experience that they're, it's not like this is the hit that we're trying to make today mm. and this is your career here. It's like, it's not like your career is going to die or live right now. It's like we're planting seeds so mm. you know what a good experience is. Mm-hmm. So ne- you've mm-hmm. learned a bit and the next time you do something, it, it's going to keep growing, you know. And that's, and that honestly is not just for young artists either. It's like we... I think that's a really great approach to take into every session because at the end of the day, we don't know what's going to be successful and what's not. We've got no idea. Uh, like even with a successful artist, say you work with a really successful artist, that song that you work on might not do anything. But man, if yeah. you're providing a really great experience and, you know, that person walks out of the studio and go, that, that was amazing, mm. that, that's I- the best job you can do. I think so, man, and I think it's actually counterproductive to the work as well. Like in my experience, anytime I'm holding too tight, like we've got to make this a hit, this is going to be amazing, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Like it sounds shit and it sounds <laughs> yeah. it sounds Fake like fearful. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, it just doesn't yeah. flow. And mm-hmm. every, all the best stuff that I've done from a creative point of view has been 
when I'm feeling free and everyone's feeling free and like in those moments like where it's just like we're just making songs, we're just creating mm-hmm. some stuff. So mm-hmm. trying to have that approach and, you know, like I, I guess it's it, one, it's it's the best way for the outcome but it's also just the for the most joy in your life just to mm. not take it so seriously and just just enjoy the process. It sounds cliche though. It's no, about the journey. It. It's not, this point. is about the journey, not the destination. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, now I've been a bit remiss in some of the most recent episodes not talking about gear. Uh, right, right, okay. Do you Let's have do any, I know you're like, you said you love production and stuff. I know you're I a do. songwriter first and foremost, but tell me if you have any pieces of like gear or software or hardware, what what are your go-tos and what what things, about those things excite you yeah so I've, I've been collecting like vintage gear for quite a while um, I, s- I had a couple of tape machines that I sold when we had so we had twins like last year and I was just oh, like wow. this panic so I so I sold some stuff and I was like I'm not using it in anyway so but yeah I um I've got quite a vintage mic collection and just amps and drums and stuff yep. I don't know I just like the my golden era sonically of music was the 70s like I just mm-hmm. love that sound like I think that's pretty common for a lot of people like the mm-hmm. sound of some of those Bill Withers records or mm-hmm. Elton John or something like that to me is like mm-hmm. the the golden era um so I've just tried to collect stuff from that but if there's like I guess my desert island things are like I've got this great river preamp um what is it an mp 500 which is like mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think it's meant to be like a, a Neve uh clone but it sounds a bit more like an API like it's a little faster and stuff Great. um but yeah man just generally for me it's like I like saturation and warmness mm-hmm. on things so yeah a lot of the stuff that I've purchased over the years is in that vein and I mm-hmm. like I like analog I know that's such a cliche to say <laughs> <laughs> but all the plugins that I'm into are like kind of doing the same thing they're like yeah I'm, I, I, you know, I, I probably you probably got the sense that I'd, my production isn't like super shiny. Like I like pretty modest, warm stuff. So yeah, yeah, gear that kind of gear. I've got a few bits. I um, I mean, I could turn the camera if you want, but like um, uh, the first mic I ever bought was this like Electro Voice RE10, which is like I think I saw oh, Elvis yeah. using it, and it's kind of like a fifty-seven, but kind of um maybe not as accurate and it yeah right yeah yep. like I, when i started producing i just like typed into ebay like vintage mine <laughs> and it was the first thing that was <laughs> the first is the first thing awesome. that came up and i was like yes vintage that is the word that is how you make things sound good um but it actually sounded wicked and i've no. I, then i bought six of them like a few years ago because yeah, right. i didn't want them to die because the first one died um yeah lots of ribbon mics i love um yeah I've got this Stam U87, which sounds awesome. Um, do you know that's the company Stam? Yep. Yeah, they're really making really great stuff. A mm-hmm. um, couple of tube pre's. Um, I like there's a, if we're going super nerdy, the kind of um, compression I love is uh, diode bridge compression, which uh, Neve did the, what's that one they did? I'm going to stuff it up. But anyway, I've got one which is a Buzz Audio. Cool. One, um, yeah, and it's like a, basically like a, a diode is the the form of compression. Um, yes. What is the name? I've, I, I 20, mean, I've definitely 22, heard of it. I'm, I'm not super knowledgeable about specific. I know right. model names, it's but the, I don't know. So, so the the 
Neve twenty two fifty four is the single right. compressor one, and the thirty three six zero nine is the bus compressor, which yep. is okay. Diode bridge, yeah. So sweet for all you nerds out there. Um, love it. I love that thick kind of sound. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. And um, as you will know, being a listener, I like to finish up the podcast asking for your best pieces of advice. For first of all, well. I guess we can bring songwriters into it, but songwriters, producers, um, and then secondly for artists that might be listening as well. Yeah, so I think maybe the first one's applicable to all and um, I probably stole a lot of this from Rick Rubin's book, uh, Creative Act. Creative Have you, Act. you read that, by yep. the way? Yes. Yep. I really, Fantastic book. I really, that solidified a lot of the things that I've been thinking and mm-hmm. gave me some new perspectives as well. But I think... I think just like double down on your taste, like, mm-hmm. or at least know that thing that's telling you whether you like something or not. Cause it can mm-hmm. be really confusing if you don't and you're listening mm-hmm. to lots of other people's opinion. Like there's no real way to know how to, to finish anything for one, to, to stand up to criticism, all that kind of stuff. And I think like, I want to preface that with saying it's good to grow and challenge yourself and like go out of your comfort zone. But you know, you have to trust, trust your taste at the end of the day. That, mm. That's kind of, I think that's all we've got, you know, like our taste mm. really is the thing that you're being hired for. It's really mm. like, I'm not very technical at all as a musician, as a songwriter, as a singer, as a producer, but I've kind of, I feel like I've always had like a taste and a vision through, mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from. I've just always had this thing of like, like things a certain way and I feel like that's kind of what's attracted the work that I've got now and I'm trying mm-hmm. to double down on that. I did a lots of writing sessions where I felt like because I was in the room with um, higher profile people that they had their taste was more trustworthy and it's, mm-hmm. it is for them but it's, it's not for me, you know, like mm-hmm. in some cases. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key point. There is, this is all subjective, you know. There's no objective mm-hmm. truth about what's good or not. It's, you know, so... In this and and the power of collaboration, like that is what collaboration is, is bringing in two people's different tastes and ideas yep. and influences and making a new piece of something that didn't exist before because totally. you haven't worked together before. So that's right, yeah, yeah and and respecting that and um, yeah, and and yeah, as you said, like in the collaborative way, um, making sure, like you don't, you know, you've got to know your place and not push your opinion too much. But mm-hmm. if you're just trying to sound like someone else. I mean, that other person else is already doing it better, you know. Mm. So, like, mm-hmm. bring your unique quality to things and your perspective on the world and everything that you've been through and the things you love and the things you don't love. Um, and I think that's the best shot at mm. connecting with people, you know. That's love the most it. authentic way. Yeah. And that's um, awesome. I was going to say, the other thing was from a business sense, um, just, like, don't expect it to be linear, you know. Mm. <laughs> it's like I feel for me it's always been it's not what I expected to be doing now. And like, like I thought I would be an artist. I didn't think I'd be producing and take as technology changes. I'm like, I'm going like you and I were talking off air about Atmos and stuff. And I'm like, mm. that's probably something I should get into, you know, yeah. like maybe in a couple of years we'll chat and it'll be like, I really am behind the eight ball. You know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's forever changing, you know, like it is. we grew up in the um, tape, cassette and cd era right and Mm -hmm. cds are completely redundant now and Mm -hmm. i couldn't have imagined Mm -hmm. that cds would have gone like that was the way that 
you held record of yep. the music, you know, and now it's like, yep. you know, I wouldn't have seen Spotify coming where you, you know, artists are encouraged to release a song every four to five weeks, you know, so totally. no, who, who knows what it's going to be. Maybe we'll just be making bite-sized 60 Sound second bites, yeah. clip. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. are we, am I stupid for wanting to believe in still making albums? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that one out. So, I mean, I think there's a place for everything and, uh, I guess my my two cents on that is that there's always going to be a place for anything if, again, you're confident in it and you find your own kind of place, whatever that means, in the world of, you know, it might be a niche thing. It might be an extremely niche thing, but, you know, if you are confident and you can find your place in it, then I think there's a place for anything. Like even, you know, people are still making cassette tapes. Like what? Yeah, totally. And I think <laughs> I think that's the where the taste thing comes back into it. You know, it's like, yeah, there's not not everyone's going to be into like lo-fi stuff. But if you like mm-hmm. the way you like things to sound is lo-fi, like the people that like lo-fi are going to be way more passionate mm-hmm. than the whole, you know, ocean that you're trying to cast yeah, your net to. But it. I mean, that's such a gen- like a a. Uh, a generic way of putting it, but I, um, I really, you know, I believe in the taste thing. Like what, what mm-hmm. else, what else guides you if you don't know mm-hmm. what you like, mm-hmm. you know, it's really confusing. Yep. And I think I've like, I've met lots of artists that don't have confidence in their taste and they just mm-hmm. struggle. They just, mm-hmm. they don't know how to move forward through the challenges. Like they're just like, yep. someone gives them a bad review and they're like, life's over. Or, mm, um, true. they hit a roadblock in the studio and they're like, it's not cause, because someone said like, this is not a strong, this is not let it be or something. And it's like, well, it's not yet because we haven't finished it, you know, or, or it doesn't even matter if it's not let it be. But that yeah, exactly. can be well, that really, was going to, well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter. You know, it's just their opinion, nah. you know. So if you don't, yep. I think it's just, yeah. And, and also like I've just heard opinions of really high up people that in like I go, oh, yeah, they must be right. And then six months later I listen to it with fresh ears and an open mind and I'm like, actually, I liked it the way it was before, you know. Mm. Yep. And like, it's just, it's just people's opinions. So we've got, we it all is. have a different taste and embrace your taste is my, thanks to Rick Rubin for, uh, you know, giving <laughs> for me lots of things, advice. I would, I would say. For lots of but things. He's, yeah. He's a legend. Um, nice one, man. Well, um, thank you so much, um, for joining me today. It's been awesome. And, uh, you know, obviously hopefully we can continue this relationship, but where can people find you if they want to look for you in person yeah. or online? Yeah, so in person, um, probably not many places because I'm a bit of a homebody at the minute. Um, you feel free to reach out to my uh, me through my website, which is my name, dylanolivier.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I think it's the tag is Dylan Olivier as well. Um, I'm not great at the social media, but I love chatting to people. So if you hit me with a DM, I'm always up for a chat. Um, yeah, if you're over east or overseas, like, Happy to get on a Zoom and, and chat and figure something out and just talk nice about one. music because I love talking about music. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, awesome, man. Thanks again. And thank uh, you, for thank you me, all to, uh, for listening in and checking out the podcast. It would mean the world if you could share it around, uh, whether that's in a DM or in a conversation or on your stories, wherever you might uh, feel comfortable doing that. Um, and hit follow or subscribe on the platform that you're listening to or watching this on. And if you have any suggestions or guests, uh, you want a guest specifically on the podcast or anything like that, you can email us. All of these links are in the show notes. So just check out the show notes and, and find what you need there. But yeah, thanks again, Dylan. 
And thank you, Stu. And I just want to say this is this is awesome that you offer this to the community. Like, um, I appreciate that, man. I I love listening in mostly because it makes me feel like I'm, you know, I'm talking to a friend or whatever, and just figuring my way through things, you know. And it can be very confusing in this, you know, in <laughs> yep. this industry. So thank you. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And yeah, we'll see you next time on What's That Sound podcast. Thanks for listening to What's That Sound. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.